Welcome to the No IT Podcast, where you get to know IT so you can own IT. Today, we have partnered with BTI Communications Group, as our goal here is to bring you the most up-to-date news and information in the networking and cybersecurity space. BTI's first and primary goal is to deliver the foremost level of technical quality that can be delivered in telecom, data networking, and physical security systems. At no other time in history has information been more accessible, nor has there been a time where it is as critical to secure your data. If it touches your network, BTI will design, install, and manage all devices critical to your day-to-day operations. With offices strategically placed across the country, no matter where you are, BTI is here to help you. Go to btigroup.com, click your area of interest in the banner at the top of the homepage, and schedule a free network assessment today. So, welcome to the first episode. I really appreciate you guys being here, and I hope you walk away with uh, time well spent. The intention of this podcast is to kind of educate you on what is going on in the world because there really isn't a lot of information that's readily available until way after the fact, especially when it becomes to like cybersecurity stuff. It just, it happens at such a quick pace that the the news can't really keep up with it and there's stuff going on in the physical world that they can get more clicks on. So my purpose is to bring, bring you that news. We're also going to be talking about different concepts of IT and data networking so that you can walk away from each episode and be able to walk into your IT department's office and have a conversation with them, ask them questions, and really get an understanding for what you guys are doing and what your cybersecurity and networking strategy really is. Now more than ever, it's so important to be on top of those kinds of things. So as we kind of move into the news, Frenzius Healthcare, a large privately owned healthcare provider, uh, clinics throughout the United States and Europe, um, was recently hacked with uh, snake ransomware that exposed patient data, everything from social security numbers to patient records and next of kin information. It's, it's, it's a big deal, but it is limited to their Serbian clinics. The snake ransomware, right, is actually Ekans is what it's is what the software is called and it's snake spelled backwards real creative but it attaches itself to encrypted files so as the files move through the system and and are getting verified the ransomware hides within that and gains access to parts of the network otherwise inaccessible so it's a big problem for them it is isolated to Serbia but there is more information to come they haven't the hacking group hasn't released all of the information yet, and Frenzius is is kind of mum as far as releasing details on their own. You know, I there's there's a thing that happens within the hacking and coding universe where they have like codeathons and they have they'll put a bounty out on a certain system and say, hey, you know, you can if you can hack this system and bring us the vulnerabilities and the code you know, we'll give you X amount of dollars. And I've always found that really intriguing because I didn't have a whole lot of background in what hacking and coding was. It was kind of an abstract concept, which is ultimately what led to be the inspiration of this podcast because I wanted to learn more about it. And I knew that I'm not the only person out there that's intrigued by it, but wanted to kind of get a feel for what was actually going on. In this situation, a company called Softpedia had a bounty program for iPhone hacking, right? They would release software for the new iPhone, whether it's iOS 13 or, or whatever. And hackers would essentially go to town. They would 
bring them their hacks and show them their files. Softpedia would pay them money in return for that, and then they would reverse engineer it so that they could shore up the holes within the operating system, right? They would do this before the software was released and afterwards just to make sure that they're on the cutting edge of, of how secure their, their software is. Anyway, Softpedia had inundated with so many iPhone hacks that they discontinued the program. They can't afford to pay everybody because it's just one thing after another. And it seems like Apple is a little bit behind the eight ball on that. Although their phones and their software is, is great functionally and beautiful design-wise, it's a, it's a situation where you know they kind of need to step their game up. Ultimately, they own a large percentage of the market. I have, I'm an iPhone user. You know, it's going to be an issue until they, they get a handle on it. That having been said, you know, hacking for the most part has spent its time in the digital world, right? There wasn't the internet of things as there is today, right? So many different devices connected to the internet and Wi-Fi, And as technology has evolved, more and more devices are being connected to the internet to be managed remotely and, and be programmed and integrated of systems so that it promotes efficiency within production practices. Some of your businesses may use it, but for the most part, it's stayed out of the physical realm. And recently that's changed. The Israeli, the Israeli um, security minister just announced that there was an attempt to hack their water system and the drinking water for the citizens of Israel. What, the, what they did was they got into, in, into their um, pumping stations and sewage stations and treatment plants, and they, they started to, they attempted, they didn't start, they attempted to um, mess with the chlorine levels within the water supply. Um, obviously, if they, if they, you know, can, if they, increase the chlorine level, a lot of people are going to get sick on the same level as, as coronavirus right now because everybody's obviously drinking from the same well in that regard. And that's really scary. The good thing is, is that Israel is on the cutting edge of the IP and IT security revolution, and they were able to stop it before it actually hit their water, their water stations. So it's just a warning to be be seen out in this in this current time that we really need to be paying attention to what's going on not just in our physical universe but also have our digital backends covered CYA essentially what's going on right now with with covid and and the coronavirus and things are starting to mellow out a little bit and then you know people get caught up in a frenzy and it just keeps kind of going up and down ultimately the hackers are kind of having a field day with it like basically what they're doing is they're having corona sales right i say that in air quotes and you can think of it as like amazon prime day and they are selling phishing attack templates disguised as nhs banks that are emailing about funding or furlough so they're, they're sending emails out about people's furlough or, or lack of funding and, and what have you. And they're ultimately trying to steal their banking information and their identities so that they can turn around and 
flip it on the dark web. Later on, we're going to go into a little bit of detail on what exactly is the dark web and like where it came from and why it, it is what it is now. But just know that this is, in, in a lot of ways, the dark web started with a really good purpose and kind of turned as the advent of currency exchange through it. But we'll get into more detail about that later. North Korea is about to get exposed by the FBI for the hacking group Hidden Cobra. And it's an offshoot of the Lazarus group. Basically, there's hackers that are not affiliated, right? They're independent hackers. And then there's like government and state-sponsored hackers, right? So every country has their team. And, you know, the U.S. is no different. But North Korea, they send their teams to China to get trained. And then they come back and they try and wage battle with the rest of the Western world. They're responsible for a large majority of the financial attacks because North Korea's economy is so, so poor that they don't really have many other ways to make money, even for the government. So it's a big issue that basically what, what happened was everybody's Bitcoin accounts got drained and people lost millions and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. But they were also responsible for something called the WannaCry virus. The WannaCry virus was really scary. And at the time I heard about it um, as it was happening because it was that robust. And what it did was it was a that was virus that was infecting um, the banking systems in Europe. It was threatening billions and billions of dollars and was was literally going to tip economies over the edge. It was it was a really big deal and was actually stopped by a 20 year old kid that was going through all of the code, found it, and basically saved the day. I'll include the link to that article because it was really cool and the kid's like now a superstar coder and and it's it's really interesting. But in this particular situation, the FBI was going through malware analysis reports or MARs and they were evaluating 26 malware samples that contained a code called manuscript and 22 out of those 26 manuscript samples were infected with the malware and it was it was basically to target the society for worldwide interbank transfer system they call it swift right it's basically finance motivated what it was trying to do was forge transfer orders within Swift. So, you know, there has to be somebody on on both ends accepting and authorizing the, the transfers, right? So what they would do is they would send a transfer order from the United States, and then they would send it to a bank in England. It would look legitimate, and they would grant that money. But on the other end, in America, there was somebody sitting there that was uh, collecting those funds. It wasn't actually going to the bank. And obviously there's a ton of cash that's been flowing back and forth on these. It's not unheard of for hundreds of millions of dollars to be transferred. And they don't even bat an eyelash at that. Now they've obviously strengthened that a little bit, but it's still being, being attacked because there's so much money to be made by the hackers. The Texas court system was also hacked. And it's kind of funny because they were, they only infected the website, right? But it took down enough of the system to force the Texas Supreme Court to issue their opinions through Dropbox. It was inconvenient, and obviously judges aren't the most technical people in the world, but damage was was mitigated. It was kind of interesting because in August of 2019, I remember reading that two, two dozen Texas towns were hit by a coordinated ransomware attack, and 
they were demanding two and a half million dollars to unlock their system. And it's not really clear whether, you know, certain towns or cities paid the ransom, but it caused a huge headache and, and threatened the financial stability of a lot of small towns. ADT was also impacted, allegedly, by an employee who kind of went rogue in Dallas. They're big fans in the residential security market of installing cameras inside and outside of your home so that you can watch them from your phone, you can watch your dog while you're away at work, and it's it's this big, happy, fun thing, right? Within that, there's authorized users within the accounts, right? So I can have my account, my wife can have access to the account, and we can monitor that. And what happened was a couple of women were going through their authorized user list within their app. They found a weird email address. It was tied to ADT. And it turns out that there was a technician who had had access over seven years to over 200 ADT Pulse customer accounts. And he used the app to view cameras and alarms remotely, right? So if they were in your house, he could see you walking around. Or if he was outside, he could see the cameras, right? They weren't aware of it. You know, the sketchy thing, when ADT was notified about it by the customers and they called and they asked, you know, what's going on? Why is, you know, whose email is this? ADT offered them hush money. They didn't apologize. They didn't, you know, they didn't try to rectify the situation. They just offered them money to keep quiet. You know, that's not exactly the most ethical thing, but now they're getting sued and it's a class action lawsuit and it's a big deal in Dallas. So make sure that when you guys are working within your security systems, both in your businesses and at your houses, that you're really vigilant about who has access to what. Certain systems, you're able to access what certain people have access to. Your production manager can have access to your production floor, and your warehouse manager can watch the warehouse and the shipping and receiving areas. They don't have access to, say, the IT room camera or the the office camera or the exterior cameras. You know, it's just you can control who's able to see and do what. And not all systems are created equal and not all providers of those systems are created equal. So really do your due diligence when you're when you're meeting with security vendors, especially nowadays when cybersecurity is, has become such a tremendous, huge issue. You don't issue. want to wait for disaster to strike. But what happens to your business if your production is suddenly ground to a halt? Likely somebody just screwed up and it's not malicious, but in the most extreme cases, what would happen to your business if your critical systems and data were locked down with ransomware and demanding ungodly sums of money to restore access? Do you pay the ransom and hope that they give your property back to you? Or did you call BTI months ago and our disaster recovery solution has already restored access to your data network and gotten production back up and running within minutes? If the latter option sounds better to you, go to btigroup.com, click on the banner at the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. All right, so today's topic or concept that I want to get into is I want to introduce you guys to the dark web and what that is. I also want to talk about some common techniques that hackers will use to get access to your network and data and leverage predominant amount of the time it is based entirely in financial interest. Obviously, it just depends on what you do and, and what your business is all about. The dark web was actually designed by the U.S. Naval Research Lab. They designed it to enable human rights activists and military personnel to be able to talk and collaborate anonymously across the internet 
in countries where there was severe censorship, right? So like the Middle East and China and North Korea, basically all the places where they are trying to get information out to the Western world and the Western world is trying to get information in to those countries. Um, the dark web was started to you know, facilitate those types of communications and it was all anonymous and it was all encrypted and you know, everything was, everything was good and it served its purpose really well because there was, there were journalists that were using it. There were um, activists, there were obviously military personnel and it was, it was really useful um, communication tool for, for those purposes. But ultimately it kind of took a dark turn. The introduction of Bitcoin allowed for money to be transferred to and from the dark web. And once that happened, it kind of took a shift, right? Because the hacking element was always there. There was always, it was like, it was also like this underground kind of forum for nerds and geeks to kind of get together and, and talk. And they'd exchange codes and ideas and things of that nature. But it wasn't really all that dangerous at the time when Bitcoin came around. That's really when hacking kind of went next level, because at that point you weren't really able to hack from your house in the same way that you you could or with the same efficiency um, as you can now. Developed into a place where they would they would be able to transfer code and they could manipulate and get into different systems. And then what they will do is take that information and they will turn around and sell it and auction off all of the information that they that they can sell like your social security numbers your bank information your email passwords basically anything and everything that you use to authenticate that you are you in the digital realm they can exchange for for money and there's a lot of money to be made there so the main issue that we have with it today is that it's one it's hard to track and two it's constantly evolving so i want to kind of take you through you know what what's going on what's on it um, and what that's all about. So there's a couple of different different things and uses that the dark web is used for. Obviously, one is military and, and propaganda and based, and then the other is financial based. And in the financial realm, they have these they have auctions, right? Where a person or a group will post a certain amount of data as a sample for everybody to view, and then they'll say, I have two more million files. I have, I have 500 more files um, to be released upon completion of the auction. And here's a sample. And then they get all this interest. And similar to eBay, people will bid for those files. And once the auction's over, they they transfer the files over to the person that, that won. And then will will proceed to steal your identity. So when you start hearing about you know, your credit card being stolen um, or, and you didn't, you still have the card and it's not, it just doesn't sound right. Um, that's ultimately you probably got hacked at one point in time and they got to that information. Um, so it's something that you need to pay very close attention to in your personal and your professional life. Um, but on these, we talked a little bit earlier about the Corona sales, right? And how they're, they're auctioning certain chunks of, of patient data, like in the Frenzius, um, hack where they had all this patient data, next of kin information, and social security numbers, and etc. Um, it allowed them to to sell it. So one of the the ways that attack came from was with snake ransomware. What snake ransomware is is it it penetrates your network 
through different, different memes, basically spamming your, your network with, with traffic until one of the files gets through and then they sit there and they don't necessarily like wave the red flag and say, Hey, I'm here now pay me money. They will sit there for months, if not years and just gather information. Sometimes they don't even know what they're necessarily looking for, but at the end of the day, when they end up finding it, it they, they can leverage it for um, whatever their motivations are. And the snake ransomware, once it gets into your into one network node, so one device or one port, it will then snake its way through all of the other systems and try and find its way into the mainframe and hit pay dirt. And at that point, they've got everything. And it can be they can be stopped with proper cyber cybersecurity monitoring and software and attention. The oftentimes it's not because either somebody's not paying attention or it gets through and goes undetected for a long time. And then, you know, they got to turn around and tell their customers and their employees that their information has been stolen. Another way is, uh, is a bait and switch. Um, a bait and switch is basically like, you know, the banner ads, you know, on the side of the websites that, that you go to, those tend to follow you, right? Because they track your cookies and then, then they start personalizing those websites. Well, a hacker will, will place a banner ad that they registered. They'll mock up the ad to look exactly like the website that you were visiting. So an example is like if you were buying fitness equipment and you went to rogue.com and you were searching for their weights and things like that, they would then turn around and create a rogue banner ad and... Then once you clicked on it, it would it would send booby-trapped landing page with the malware. So the another form of, of hacking or another technique that they will use is cookie thefts, right? So your cookies are cached in your browser. So if you get disconnected, you can still view the page and you can still scroll in the in the video and the content will still come up. And that usually contains personal information. So within those cache will be your personal banking information, right? Your user credentials, your passwords. Ultimately, what, what they can do with it is they'll get into the cache. They will pull out whatever information that they can find. Ultimately, if you clear your cache, you're usually safe from that, but not always. And the you really need to pay attention when you're ordering food or when you're buying things from Amazon that you're not leaving that information in there for a long period of time so that if somebody were to get at your computer while it was offline, then you, you would be safe. Um, the other is a, is a DOS attack, right? And basically what it is is it, they spam your, your login information into whatever website that they're trying to get at, so your bank, for example. And what they'll do is they'll use download files in your email credential to spam out that until ultimately you reach the point where the website that you're that they're attacking gets so inundated with verification requests that it crashes and they can get through it's anti-malware packages help with that so uh, make sure that your it team or your managed service provider is is providing that for you and that you keep them accountable for that the other is eavesdropping and it's passive it basically allows hackers to listen to your network traffic undetected it's predominantly affects one unsecured networks so public wi-fi networks your starbucks your your local mall wi-fi 
basically every all the perks that they that they tell you hey we have free wi-fi that is a minefield of hacked information these people just basically sit there and whatever information that they that pops up they collect and then they then they sell it on the dark web if you're trying to avoid this and you still want to use the wi-fi networks just make sure that you're using a, a VPN to access your home network. Um, and that's pretty easy to set up and uh, maintain. So make sure that you're doing that or call somebody. The other is key logging. And key logging sounds exactly or is exactly as it sounds. They sit there undetected. They listen to your traffic and they log every letter n- and number so that they can read what you're saying. So your passwords and your emails and all that. Again, they can, that's another way for them to get that information. The other is malware. And malware is, it's, you know, pretty widely known, um, at least that you're, you've heard the term before. And it's malicious software. That's what malware stands for. And it's corrupted software that looks legit. So everything from an app in the app store to um, a application that you're downloading from a website or files that you're downloading from a website. Um, They all can contain malware and that will infect your computer and they will be able to monitor what you're doing and ultimately get what they wanna get. The other is phishing. And phishing is by far the most common because quite frankly, it's the easiest. All they do is collect email addresses and, and just spam send emails to the addresses and somebody on the other end that's not paying attention will, will click on it and then they'll be able to install the malware or get in get your, your credit card information. An example is recently, I had received an email that looked like it was sent from my boss. It was really crudely written right? His name was correct in the title line. The message was just very simple. Like, Hey, I'm on the side of the road. My phone's dead. Can you send me money? Um, another one I received one time was, Hey, you know, I want to get such and such a $500 visa gift card. Can you go buy it and send it, send me the code. So it looks, it looks legit, but something's always, looks a little bit off. If you're not paying attention right? If you click on the name in the title line, it'll show the actual email address that that came from. 100% of the time when a phishing attack, it will be a different email than the origin that it's it's representing. And it just preys on the people that aren't paying attention. The, the people that are constantly flowing information very quickly and constantly moving things along within their business, right? Like a receptionist or an HR person or a salesperson sending out quotes or a payroll person, you know, processing the payroll, they will, they'll send those people the email. And if they click on it and then they, they comply, then boom, you're in. And it's sometimes it's, they're good. Ultimately, if you have endpoint protection and you are able to use this as a, as a teachable moment. So your IT team could sit there and say, okay, I have such, I have XYZ number of employees I want to see how many of them are vulnerable to these uh, these types of attacks. So what they can do is they can launch a a phishing campaign that comes from them. You know, it's not it's not harmful, but when you click on that link and you're not by not paying attention, you click on that link, it pops up a page that registers you for cybersecurity training or automatically launches you into a cybersecurity training platform and then allows you to go back to work once you're done. You can use these as teachable moments if you're proactive in your cybersecurity plan. Cybersecurity is constantly evolving. If you're not 
constantly updating and tracking where you're going and making goals and having objectives that you want to hit, then you're going to get caught up and it could be devastating for a business. After a hack, 90% of the businesses are out of business immediately. I'm sorry, that's wrong. 90% of the businesses are out of business within two years. 10% of those businesses never reopen. Of those 10%, 100% of them are small businesses. So when you're thinking about your nut and you're going to bed at night and when you're sitting there thinking, man, I need to, I need to run payroll tomorrow. You should also be thinking, am I, am I secure enough to not have to walk into work tomorrow to a fire? And that's what, you know, cybersecurity monitoring does. Um, you know, the final one is a wireless access point attack. And what a hacker can do is they can penetrate your system and then they can set up a bogus access point, a Wi-Fi bridge, for lack of a better term right now. It's essentially a monitoring agent that, that monitors your data, right? So everything from your video that's being sent, that's typically the most consistently hacked system uh, because the providers from ADT on down, don't pay attention to the cybersecurity elements and set up the right the right protections. They will hand you the keys and say, hey, here you go. Your cameras are set up, your system works, you secure it. And if you don't do that, if you don't have an IT team that's paying attention to that, then it could lead you down a really scary road. Um, it's happened to everybody. It happens to the government all the time. And it actually happened to our government right before the Trump inauguration. Two weeks before, they had a couple hundred cameras installed across the Capitol campus to monitor the crowds for the inauguration. And a week before, the system was hacked and it took all the cameras down. They ended up having to pay the hackers $2 million in Bitcoin for them to release the camera network. The information that they, that they ended up keeping, they only retrieved 80% of the data. This is the government. And when they, the 20% of the data that they got was all Capitol Police information, social security numbers of officers, next of kin information, healthcare information. It's, 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 a, it's a problem that affects everybody big and small. And if you're not paying attention, it will come back to bite you. Ultimately though, it's not all doom and gloom. You have resources at your disposal. You can reach out for help, you can ask a bunch of questions, and you can Google your ass off to learn what you want to learn. You can, you can do that with anything. But the question is, do you have the time and do you have the mental energy to dedicate at such a fast-moving, constantly evolving industry and area when we're talking cybersecurity, we're talking physical security, we're talking phone systems, the all of it. They all are tie into cybersecurity. And when you're making decisions, cybersecurity needs to be one of those top decisions. But whether or not you're covered depends on how well you plan for contingencies, right? There are companies out there, companies like BTI that are are their sole job and purpose is to stay on top of the latest and greatest ways to keep you secure, both on the physical and digital end. But ultimately, just don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out because 
oftentimes what you'll find is there's somebody on the other side that is genuinely interested in helping you. And when you reach out to the right people, you get your problem solved. And it allows you to focus on what you do best, which is run your business and do what you do. Hey, if you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you. And it's safe to say that you're somebody who finds cybersecurity, hacking, and IT networking equally intriguing, a little complex, yet also critical to our day-to-day business. The No IT Podcast would not be possible without the support of BTI Communications Group. BTI's first and primary goal is to deliver the foremost level of technical quality that can be delivered. So if you're looking for the most reliable and cost-effective solutions available, do us a favor and go to btigroup.com. Click on the banner at the top of the homepage and schedule a network assessment today. And while you're at it, head to iTunes and Spotify, comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. Next week, we'll cover data hacks of the week, as well as discuss the emergence of physical security systems and IT. At the end of the day, we want you to get to know IT so you can own IT. Take care.